Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. This is the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. So the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. A special two-episode week because we have two games. Uh Three games, I guess, technically this week. But I'm Jeremiah Shan. Joining me today, Tim Foss and Beth Mantle. How are you guys doing? Good. I mean, yeah. got another win. That's nice. Yeah. I do yeah. enjoy. I do enjoy win, winning. Win- winning. Yeah. Winning beats losing. There's no question really about does. that. And and the Sounders have been doing plenty of that uh, this year. This week has not been the prettiest week of performances for the Sounders, but. I am encouraged by the results continuing to pile up. Uh, and let's let's look at the San Jose game. And we may as well start at the end because that's where most of the interest was. Uh, as the game went towards stoppage time, Stefan Fry had a rather nasty collision with Shane O'Neill. I don't necessarily need to blame anyone here, but I'll just say one of those players was completely out of control. The other one seemed to be know, knowing what he was doing. The player who knew what he was doing ended up on the ground, writhing in pain, suffering a seemingly serious injury. Uh, it's now looking like it might not be quite like I thought he was done for the year when he was on the like I just assumed he was going to be done for the year. It looks like that won't be the case. He, he will probably see him in a his recovery. I think will likely be measured in weeks and and probably not months. But uh, yeah, so Stephen Fry comes out. While he makes a heroic play on, the, by the way, if he doesn't tip that ball, I, I'm pretty sure Wondolowski taps it into the back of the back of the net at the back post. So kudos to Stephen Fry for saving that game. But even better than that, in a narrative perspective, who other than Alex Roldan stri- puts on the shirt, puts on the gloves, gets in the goal, no complaints. Christian nominated him. He just said, "Sure, I'll do it." He makes a save on the very first play, gets crushed by Jackson Ewell, and then he ends up getting credit. He didn't really make two other saves. He got credited with two other saves. One of them was a cross. The other was kind of a ball that it was an awkward. Don't take play. his saves away from him. He worked hard for those. He got three, and we're going to give him three at least. Yeah, fair, 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 fair. I think uh, controlling a cross for sure in that scenario for sure counts as a save. That is... <laughs> arguably more difficult like i haven't played keeper at a high level but i've played a lot of like rec level goalkeeper dealing with crosses is much harder than dealing with shots okay i I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to denigrate anything alex roldan did again because he was he was spectacular i did the thing i loved about that though was just how matter of fact he was about the whole thing like he he was almost seemingly embarrassed that people wanted to talk about it. Like he was like, yeah, I mean, I play goalkeeper. Uh, have you ever done it before? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe as a kid, like I'm sure Christian made him standing goal while he fired soccer balls at him when they were kids. 
but I didn't get the sense that there was any goalkeeping in his life other than that. Um, I don't know if either of you are younger siblings or maybe you're old. I know Beth, did you ever, were you ever in that situation where your older sister said, no, you're going to do this? Um, no, uh, my sister and I are far enough in age apart that yeah. it was never a fair matchup, but she usually let me win. So oh. I guess that's a different dynamic, but it's, I was always a winner. Different. Yeah, that is, <laughs> I don't think Christian and Alex had a lot of, uh, letting Alex win experiences. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> I thought I was really good at basketball when I was like three feet tall. It was a lie, but yeah. yeah. Tim, how uh, about you? Did you ever have any of those experiences on either side, I suppose? Uh, so I, I don't know that my older brother and I ever did, but my younger brother and I both sort of independently of one another started playing keeper in addition to playing elsewhere in the field. Like we both took that as sort of secondary positions. And so we would like, intentionally take turns where we would you know one of us would like get in goal with the gloves and the other one would take 10 shots and then we'd trade gloves and um so have have much more experience playing as like a center back in front of my younger brother but have have had plenty of experience shooting at and being shot at by my brother i think my favorite thing of the alex in goal was like the way he talked about it afterwards was great, but really in him and Christian talking about it, just the seeming assumption that like, it wouldn't be anyone else on the team. It was just right. like, it could only be a rolled on as right. if there was some <laughs> rule that like, if the keeper comes out, then a of brother course. has to play. <laughs> and that Christian was just more important to the setup. So it had, right. it, it would be Alex. Right, of course, it had to be had to be one of them. I do love that Christian insinuated that he was more important, and he was like, "Actually, I need to stay on the field. I am I am really right. important to this this game. You need me. Put Alex in goal." Yeah, I just I don't know. It's it's perfect. It just is such a wonderful little moment. And you know, a couple of people asked, like, "Well, who else would you have put in there?" And and like. The truth is, I don't know that there was like an obvious choice. And that's kind of the the thing, right? Like, I don't know. I guess if Will Bruin was in there, I, I think that's the guy I probably would have chosen because he's just the biggest guy. He played baseball. So you'd like to think he has some basic hand-eye coordination. But this was – and this – I have to admit, this was – I'm stealing this from, from the post-game show, the official post-game show, Danny Jackson – made a comment about how when you see a real like a professional goalkeeper they hold the ball they kind of hold it away from their body and it's like they gr- firmly grasp it and they know and the gloves look like their hands right whereas when Alex was holding the ball it was like he was bundling it to him like he was holding a, a sack of money and jumping out of an airplane uh and like the gloves look so awkward on him the jersey is like three sizes too big it was just, it was perfect. Like it was, it was honestly perfect. And I, I thought it it said a lot about the Sounders, you know, it was um, interesting after the game, like Brian came in kind of like, like fired up and, and he was talking about everyone counting us out and no one thinks we're going to win. And I, I have to assume that was for the players, right? That was like, I have no idea where he got any of that stuff. Like who are these haters that are, 
like doubting the four zero and one Sounders who are coming off four trips to MLS Cup in the last five years. I, I don't. Think Brian's probably making burner Twitter accounts and tweeting new <laughs> things at his players just to get them hyped up. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like very specific minutia about this season that you could have people say like. Uh, well, maybe before the season started, none of us right. have ever seen this team play. Some right. people were like, this might be a down year for the Sounders, which probably means like they still go to the playoffs and like they probably make a couple big acquisitions in the summer and they like make a push. Right. Uh, but since then, like no one is doubting the Sounders. Maybe someone in pregame saw the lineup and was like, oh, that's kind of a weird thing that right. <laughs> they might like. Maybe they'll lose this game in their three game week as like the second game on the road consecutively. Like maybe they won't win this one. Right. And that's okay. And that was like, there is no, like a lot of times when, you know, I, I want to, I think back to the game against the union a couple years ago where they used like a very kind of back of the bench lineup. They used three center backs and there was a lot of like, kind of like people, Oh, what are we doing? This is just throwing away points. Da 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 da. And the, and the Sounders got a point in that game, and and there was kind of like this chess beating. Like, yeah, you guys doubted my lineup choices, but boom, and like the mood before the game very different. There was a lot of people like, oh, two two kids are starting this game. That's interesting. I mean, I don't I don't know if I like the Sounders' chances, but I'm curious to see how this goes. Oh, that's a whole new four three a three four three. Oh. Okay, I I didn't know that was in the car. I color me surprised. I didn't I didn't know. And like a lot of that kind of stuff, there was I did not see anyone going like, "What is Ryan doing?" That's how all the haters sound. Uh, but it was I don't know. I just thought it was very very amusing like how how like ha- like haters going to hate Brian was after the game because it was I didn't know who I have no idea who he was talking to. I, I can only assume, and this is I, I and I, I can understand this. I think he's getting ready for that bunker mentality. Like he he knows he needs to keep the players like on their on their toes, right? And he's he's not gonna let anyone get too high on themselves. I I just <laughs> again I just thought it was really funny. They're four oh and one. They've got the best goal difference in the league. They're at the top of all the power rankings, they're leading the supporter shield. Brian, I don't know who these people are that say you can't win, but if this is how Brian is keeping them motivated and not letting them sit back and be content with how the season's going, I'm all for it. It's funny and it seems to be working. So absolutely, power to him. Maybe there was a specific like shirtless San Jose Ultra who yelled (laughs) a thing at him, and he was like, "Nope, this is representative of all people outside." my team right no this one is what everyone says right yes i think that there's a good chance but like joking aside not the prettiest performance from the sounders uh I, like i thought they were okay in the first half like pretty even they they were up i thought it was a fair lead in fact they probably could have had another goal if i remember correctly uh but the second half was getting pretty dicey and that was before Stefan's injury. I mean, they only had to play five minutes or so with, without Stefan, but the, uh, the quakes gave him problems and, and rightfully like 
rightfully so. They were putting out a first choice squad. Sounders were not putting out a first choice squad. I think that's one of the things that kind of got overlooked. The Sounders were on two days less rest for the game. They had four changes to their lineup. The Quakes were effectively on full rest. They were using a first choice lineup. And 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 they were good. I mean, the, the Quakes have been good this year. You know, they they, had, they were riding a three game winning streak. And and the Sounders, you know, ran their. They have an hard to believe they have a fourteen game unbeaten streak against the Quakes. I just that feels wrong, because it doesn't seem like the Quakes are a team the Sounders handle easily. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago when everyone saw the San Jose Earthquakes on the schedule and they were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I guess we're going to drop points to like the worst team in the league for no reason." Right. But I'm glad that's over. That was not fun. That was not fun, and I do feel like you're right that that was not that long ago. I mean, it was just. Two years ago, I want to say they uh, they went down 2-0 to the Quakes and they ended up getting a 2-2 tie and the Quakes were not a good team that year and the Sounders were, you know, that was 2019, so that was kind of when they were they were still going strong. That was a home game. They had that game a couple years ago, at the, the last game of the season where Rui Diaz had to score twice in the last five minutes of the game to get a win. Like, there's been a lot, even though this – a long streak there's a lot of like one goal victories like the the 7-1 win over them last year is definitely an outlier lots of close games lots of games where the quakes give the sounders a lot of trouble where the sounders need to come back late uh it's it's not been a team that the sounders have handled easily even if they have kind of handled them but i thought you know that you look at what the sounders have done this year they've played three playoff teams from last year and they played two teams that were off to blazing starts and they haven't been dramatically outplayed by anyone. You know, the record is what it is. Uh, how confident are, are you guys feeling about this team right now? Even like assuming Fry is only out, let's just say, you know, four to six weeks. I don't know if that's how that that's too positive, but even if he's out two months, I still, I, like, I still feel like pretty good about where this team's going. Yeah, I think it's it's hard not to be excited or at the very least positive about what this team is capable of at the moment. Um, I think, you know, there's so much attacking quality in this team with the trio of forwards where all three of Rui Diaz, Bruin, or Montero could absolutely embarrass a defense on their own or in you know working with the guys around them the midfield is fantastic the the depth in midfield is looking good even you know Danny Leva may not have had like a incredible game but I think he did what he was asked to pretty effectively against San Jose after not playing since like March not playing more than 11 minutes, minutes, I think since March 7th or whatever. Um, The, the big concern is how long Fry is out, but even, even if he's out, I, it seems like the team is pretty high on Stefan Cleveland and Spencer Ritchie. And uh, you know, it's, it's easy to overlook that Spencer Ritchie, the last time he really got, a lot of minutes was 2019 on a just objectively bad FC Cincinnati team. 
but even on that team, he looked good, which there's a, you know, a weird thing about being on a really bad team as a goalkeeper where you get lots of opportunities to look like a incredible goalie because you're just going to have to make a ton of saves, but you're also going to give up a lot of goals. And some of those are going to look silly because you have a bad defense in front of you. Uh, but he did look like a good keeper. The stats kind of bear that out. If you look at him, um, I think having either of those guys in goal, they're probably going to do a decent job at keeping the ball out of the net. You lose some of that sort of emotional center of the team, but without him, you still have Christian Roldan and Nico Ladero when he's healthy again. And um, I think, I think they're as well poised to or well positioned to have to deal with this loss of a player as they ever could be sort of similarly to being better positioned to deal with not having Nico Ladero than they ever have been in the past. Um, so it's, it's weird to say that losing Fry maybe isn't that big of a deal. And of course, now that I've said that, I'm going to hopefully not, but open myself up to look real bad if one of those keepers does not play well. I, 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 I share your optimism. I, I, it looks to me like Stefan Cleveland is going to get the, the first chance, but that they have two goalkeepers that have some MLS experience, I think is encouraging. I, I definitely don't think they're going to go out and make some sort of emergency signing. This is exactly why they have Richie and, and Cleveland on the roster in a, in a situation like this. So, you know, and I, I think it's notable that that Fry hasn't had to come up with big saves a ton. I mean, he did make, he did make a big one in this one on Cade Cowell. He made uh Cade Cowell is 17. Did you know that? <laughs> did that get mentioned once or twice during the, uh, maybe a few times. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's worth restating that the 17 year old Cade Cowell is in fact 17. Yeah. And he did, in fact, lose that game. So he, he did. He did. Uh, I yeah, no, he did. Uh, there's no there's no question about it. Um, but yeah, when it was, you know, I think it's it's one you move on to it, that the Sounders have gotten all this out of this season without with getting 30 minutes from Nico Ladero, I think is particularly notable that his that the person who came in originally to replace him, Josh Atencio hasn't played since the second game of the season also seems particularly notable. I don't know when either one of them are going to be getting back. Hopefully we, we get a sense of that from Brian when he talks to the media, which is, I am you know, a little not bit. loving this rash of injuries. I think no we do less of this. Yeah, it is. It's, it's getting to be a, a decent sized list. It is. With so like you got big names on it. Yeah, so the Sounders have already missed Nico Ladero for most of the season. They had Freddie Montero out for a couple games. Josh Atencio's missed three games. Jory Delam looks like he might be out for the year. Uh, this list is is, and it wasn't like they had a really robust roster to begin with. I think they only have twenty four players on the roster. That's not even mentioning Jordan Morris being out for for the year. Uh, but it's been, yeah, and it, they're all kind of freak injury. Well, not all of them. I guess, but a lot of these seem to have been kind of freak injuries. So it's not just like it's a rash of muscle injuries that we're kind of used to seeing. It's like people getting slammed into by teammates while they're trying to make a play on the ball. Jeremiah uh, will never let Shane O'Neill live that down. It was, oh, it was one of the most awkward, painful things to watch. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it's it would be nice if the hopefully the Sounders are getting all their injuries out of the way now, and then you know watch out. This is uh, going to be potentially a really exciting time. I did before we go. I did want to ask Tim and what do you what do you make of Reed Baker Whiting? He's the the sixteen year old the Sounders just signed. Uh, I mean, I I admittedly haven't seen a ton of him playing soccer i think he have you seen him doing other things <laughs> i mean i haven't seen a ton of him do anything but okay i figured enough. we were mostly talking about playing we soccer, were so i we were i, I figured we were... i'd specify right yeah um, no good uh yeah i mean from what i've seen he's you know he's a skilled technical player he is probably more of like a distributor six than either of like Leva or Tensio is. Um, so do you think he's farther, he's more likely to sit than those two, or do you think he's more likely to be uh, getting forward than those two? Um, I think probably more likely to sit than those two. Okay. I think uh, in very different ways. I think Leva and Atencio both are sort of at their best when they're kind of roaming in the midfield to try to pursue the ball. Um, I think he can in his time with Tacoma, most of the time he was playing alongside Soda Kitahara um, and the two of them sort of took to a certain degree took turns um, when the team was in possession, pushing forward. Uh, but I think Reed is, was the more likely to sort of play in a more stationary role there. Um, I think we certainly could be in for some Reed Baker Whiting minutes with Jordy Delem not being available for the foreseeable future. Uh, I know we saw Jordi at center back, but I think the likelihood was that he was going to get most of his minutes in midfield. But uh, yeah, that's one less person for Reed to push for minutes. And as long as Atencio is still not available, um, it'll be interesting. He's got a, I think a good awareness of space and how the game works and, It'll be fun to watch him try to adapt that at the MLS level. One of the things I thought was interesting, and I and I don't actually think it's just a, a funny little detail, is traditionally when the Sounders have signed players from both the Academy and Defiance, they keep the number that they're wearing with the Defiance. So, you know, you see Josh Atencio wearing 84. You see Danny Leva wearing 75. Uh, you can go down the list. I want to say that at least the last six players they've signed from Defiance have all kept that number and i and i i noted on twitter that reed baker whiting had taken the 21 number and he had been wearing 76 i believe at the at the defiance and that's an you know mild little thing but i i did i i checked around and i actually think it is sort of a a statement of purpose by him like he he's not just happy to be signing an mls contract and and i guess there was some negotiations like he I don't, I don't know if he held out for a bunch more money or anything, but it sounded like he was able to get a little bit more security with his contract. So it wasn't just like the Sounders said, hey, we want to sign you, and he 
you know, asked where he put his name. It was, there was some negotiations over it. I think he wanted to get a sense of where he was going, but he's apparently a very serious student of the game. He watches film. He, you know, he, he knows what he wants to be. He, he, he looks like he's grown a lot. He's put a lot of, he's become kind of a, he's put a bit, little bit more of a man's body into a, a man's brain, but it sounds like he's been like a student of the game for a long time. Like he's been very serious about his professional future. And so I'm actually really curious to see how that translates to MLS because uh, we're used to seeing these kids just kind of be happy to take their spot and, and fit in where they can. But I don't get the sense that, that he, like he might be pushing for minutes in a way that we haven't seen the other young kids and, and maybe more like a DeAndre Yedlin who, you know, burst onto the scene and was starting right away and, and kind of like carried himself as if he belonged there right away. He was a little, quite a bit older than, than Reed is, but it'll be interesting to watch. I, I don't know that we'll see him start this game starting against LAFC, especially against this midfield would be a pretty big task. Uh, but I mean, they might need him. I don't know, depending on what everyone else is doing. Uh, Kellen Rowe can't start every game. I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure I he think, can do it if you let him. Yeah, he might. He might. Um, I think an interesting thing was reading through the the quotes in the press release when they signed Reed. Um, the way that they talked about having had him in the first team training environment and in that bubble was very similar to the way that they were talking about Josh Atencio at the beginning of the season and yeah. the impact that being in that environment day in and day out had on him. Um, We sort of have to wait and see at this point, but he, the team seems to really like him. So, I mean, they, we have lots of evidence that they're pretty good at talent evaluation. Uh, And Brian Schmetzer for like a year has been talking about Reed Baker Whiting seemingly ever to every opportunity he got. So it's, uh, it's exciting to see what he can do. Yeah. Uh, interesting. The other interesting note about that, I think I, the centers have eight players who came through the Academy on their first team roster. And that's out of a, I think 26 total that are on the first, that's including players that are on loan. They're become, quietly becoming a very homegrown heavy roster, which is kind of the vision that that Garth has long had for this team. And in the past, those were players that were kind of filling out roster spots. But, you know, Atencio clearly isn't there to fill out a roster spot. It's starting to look like Danny Leva is not someone who's just going to fill out a roster spot. And I don't suspect that Reed's going to fill out a roster spot either. Like, I think these are guys that will all probably play significant minutes. That's notable. Um and it's just kind of interesting to see the evolution of this, of this kind of turn into a club uh, as opposed to just a team. But uh, real quick, looking ahead to LAFC where it sounds like Carlos Vela might be available off the bench. It would be his first minute since uh, the season opener. I don't know how, how big of a deal that is necessarily. Uh, it doesn't sound like, you know, it, he'll have a huge impact, but if he can come off the bench, that's good for them. Either of you have much of a, commentary on LAFC um I would like to win another game yeah uh it yeah it is funny how quickly sort of in the span of 
like a year and a half or whatever, LAFC have become a team that like, yeah, they're really good. They have lots of talent. I don't really worry that much when LAFC pops up on the schedule, like the, the Sounders seem to have their number. If Carlos Vela is ready to go, Javi Arriaga is ready to body him into the ground. So welcome to the Javi Hive, Tim. Yeah. I've been here. Yeah, I know. This is like the this is like Javi uh fan club right here. Honestly, he's great. I'm so sad he's not blonde anymore. It was such a look. It was. It was a good look. I thought he actually played really well against San Jose. I'll tell that. I thought that was maybe his his so- most solid performance. Uh, he, he didn't look great on that one 17-year-old's chance. But uh, other than that, I thought he was very good. Javi a- seems to be the scapegoat for any kind of defensive error from anyone. Which is, um, I'm sure, I'm why sure, he was- I'm sure if you keep pointing out that Shane took down Stefan, it'll probably turn into it was Javi's fault. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think... Javi had just the his style of play has a way of being like he ends up having a mistake that is the culmination of other people's mistakes often enough and that mistake tends to be like a poorly timed slide tackle or something that results in a penalty right he's certainly not the only person who makes mistakes he just tends to make higher profile ones maybe than most other people. Um, But I, yeah, I think he showed a lot of his quality in the game against the earthquakes. I think there were reasonable questions about why, like why play new who as a left wing back rather than at center back. Why, when you bring Javi in, have him play as the left center back rather as than as the center center back who's going to do most of the possession work. Um, But I think there were a number of times where, you know, Javi got out on the dribble down the left side and then played a dime for Nuhu to run onto in space. And one of those plays is how the Sounders ended up scoring their goal. Nuhu hit a cross on a play just like that, that got bounced around the box that went out to Christian. Um, Bangers only for that man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was it's just sort of broadly the Ariaga experience of like lots of really good stuff, a couple not so great things, not as much of him just sort of like being unsure of what to do and watching a play happen and then realizing that he needed to chase and catch up and do something about it. Um, so I think that was an improvement over some of his more recent or his previous outings but yeah i think on the whole he had a solid game all right well that's that's probably a good place to call this uh thanks tim and beth for hanging out and uh thank you listeners for for chilling with us if you like what you hear on this make sure you check out our twitter spaces after the game i think we're gonna start making that a a thing uh, you just go to Twitter, you log into Twitter on an iOS device and it should light up after the game. Usually we do it after the press conference. So plug, that's a plug for us. We don't usually do plugs, but anyway. All right. I'm Jeremiah Shan signing off on behalf of Tim Foss and Beth Mantle. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast and we will see you next time.